Hello, everybody, and welcome to the China Tech Investor Podcast, powered by TechNode, seeking truth from facts when it comes to Chinese tech stocks and IPOs. I'm Elliot Zagman, and with me is a man who, unlike China's widely varying array of online grocery delivery options, his takes are 100% fresh all the time. It's James Hall. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if they're fresh all the time, but uh, yeah, so the disclaimer, this is a fresh disclaimer. This is an educational and hopefully entertainment podcast. Uh, we may have positions in the companies mentioned. I don't have any positions in Miss Fresh and Ding Dong, though. But we try to say so when we do, like I just that did there, but that could change after we record. So, you know, this is not investment advice. Get your investment advice somewhere else, and uh, or better yet, do your own. Um, and good luck out there. Yeah. Speaking of fresh, as uh, as you hinted at there, uh, today we're going to be talking about Chinese uh, fresh grocery deliverers uh, with Emma Lee, who is for readers of TechNode. Uh, she has been with the with the platform for a very long time and is a, a true pro. So anyway, she's going to talk with us about Ding Dong and Miss Fresh. There are two uh, Chinese fresh grocery delivery companies that have uh, gone public lately and it, two uh, mixed results, I think I would say. Miss Fresh had, they plunged, I think, around 20% right after they went public. And then Ding Dong revised their uh, their their starting price and um, or their IPO price and then kind of <laughs> rebounded in a way that uh, that I think was even, you know, I think it was something about like it went up somewhere around like 100%. Both of these, uh, they're both two interesting companies and their their stock over the last uh, last couple of days is quite interesting. The big story that we need to probably cover in the near future, but we're not going to be covering so much today, and that's DD's IPO. Uh, they went public, I think, we're, so we're recording this on July 2nd. DD went public earlier this week, two days ago. James, any thoughts on DD? I mean, I took a quick look at their filing right before they IPO'd, and I don't know. I mean, it's just it's just a tough business. They're not profitable. Interestingly, they look like they had a profit in 2020 because I think in December they took out Chengxin Youxian, which is the grocery delivery business that they have. How well that business is doing is, uh, I don't know if they took it out before the IPO. Maybe it's not doing that great. But they took a they they booked a profit when they took it out. So it looked like, you know, if you have to back that out of their operating profit in order to see that it's actually still negative. Yeah, I I don't know. But they they you know before their IPO. Samer kind of they they did say they were going to look into them, and I guess they just officially you know this is the third day after the IPO they just uh, officially announced that they are going to do a forty five day uh, Samer colonoscopy to take um, Michael Norris's term, uh, <laughs> and during that time this is the key thing that's kind of bizarre and interesting and you know keeps it always interesting. They're not allowed to take on any new users on their platform. So there's like a 45-day pause on any new users, which, you know, that's half 
half of a quarter, roughly. Yeah, that might help their uh, their sales and marketing should go down a lot, um, <laughs> and it might help their profitability. You know, but there goes their growth, though. I mean, if if you're if you're hoping that they're going to be uh, you know talking about all their new users and their first earnings call, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> so, but it's it's yeah. it's becoming have a great reason for it. Yeah. Oh yeah, well that's true. That's true, but it, it's becoming I. Not our fault. <laughs> right, exactly. That, so if 2019 was the year of, you know, the 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 trade war and you know, the, um, I guess, like the, you know, the entity list, you know, the possible delisting, you know, that it seemed like every week we were talking about something like that. 2020, obviously, is COVID. This year, the theme is in bold and underlined. It's antitrust and it's regulation, without a doubt. And it is something that is is impacting all of these companies. It's something that we talk seem to talk about just about every week. And it's happening to DD as well. And it's kind of this catch-22 where if if any company has anywhere near monopoly power, then they're they're a candidate to be under scrutiny from the regulators. But the other side of that is that especially when it comes to these tech platforms, if they have somewhere near monopoly power, that's also kind of why you want to invest in them. So, so, and I think that DD is kind of the perfect example of this because DD, you know, unlike, yeah, there are other, there are other, uh, rideshare platforms, but in China, you say, I'm going to get a DD in a way that, you know, I whenever I'm in China, I don't use anything aside from DD. Do you? Uh, I use DD. I have used others. I also use taxis, and I'm um, bizarre. I use buses as well because sometimes they have the best route, uh, and they get special lanes they can use. Anyway, I'm I'm probably not a typical, <laughs> definitely not a typical foreigner. You know, <laughs> living here, but yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's it's just it is a it's it's a company that really that would that benefits because it kind of has a monopoly, right? Yeah, um, but I mean, the, it the was problem, the merger. The problem is mm-hmm. the 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 a monopoly is supposed to make profits, you know, and like not a, not a small amount of them. They're kind of, I mean, I understand like if they're going to be looked at for antitrust, uh, just because they have large market share, which is their, you know, revenue sort of metric. Um, yeah, I get it. But if, I mean, usually when you, when you get hit for antitrust or anti-monopoly, it's because you're like, you know, you're price gouging your customers, creating, you're, you're abusing your monopoly status. I don't know. I mean, what, what, but these, these companies, I think this is kind of the issue with these ride hailing companies though, is that, until there is something like, you know, autonomous driving or something that's really revolutionary, it seems like they're not, they're going to be making very, very thin margins, if any profit. And the only way that they can kind of escape that is by doing something along the lines of price gouging, it seems like that. Something that will, even in a place like the U.S., where, you know, our the U.S. authorities are not cracking down anywhere nearly as hard as it is in China, partly because they legally can't do it as much. But like, if they if they want to actually get margins, they need to either put the screws on their drivers or their customers, or and both. regulators are not going to like that. Yeah, and yeah. also drivers don't like it. 
you know, and customers don't like it. So they're like, wait, why am I going to, you know, surge pricing? Like, this is ridiculous. And so they decide not to do it. And then drivers only come out during those, you know, so it's like, it's, it's, um, it's a tough kind of platform, two-sided platform business and their take rate. I mean, I think I've said it before when we've talked about these a while ago, but I feel like, you know, they really should lower it significantly and just provide like a basic you have an app and you just provide like the ping like here's here's where they are here's where you are and you know connect them uh and then you don't have to like do all this marketing and all this like brand building stuff just be the you know just be the connector like a service to you know the two intermediaries instead of like trying to make this whole big yeah but you you don't thing. you don't get to be a 75 billion dollar company by doing that though that's the, no but you make <laughs> mo- you probably thing. make money <laughs> like yeah you probably like your yeah. investors yeah i mean you ipo and you can sell out and stuff but i don't know i think i think even when they get to autonomous driving people are going to be like wait why am i paying for a driver a driver's type rate if a driver's not there to open the doors and help me with my luggage and stuff, why am I going to like pay extra? Mm. You know, like it should be the base, like mm. bare minimum and like robots don't have to eat. So, or sleep, you know? So, I mean, <laughs> it's like, like the efficiency should be higher. So the price should be much lower, you know? So it's anyway. Yeah. I, I I'm very bearish on all these things. I, I, I'm not a, a shareholder. I, did, I had not in DD, not in Lyft. I mean, I mean, maybe some. I am not actively a shareholder in DD, Lyft, or or Uber, um, just because I don't. I I just don't see where that where the real value that they're offering is at this point. And I think that ought. I think that electric vehicles. I mean, outside of China, where there's just so much infrastructure being built up for the electric vehicles, I think that. Electric vehicles are probably a little further off even than we anticipate, even though all these companies are saying like, you know, five years from now, whatever. Um, I think it's probably going to be a little longer than that in most places in the world. And the sec- and I think that autonomous driving is way further off than 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 that. I mean, that's just my two cents. But I, I think that anything that's that's really going to revolutionize these companies to actually turn them into real profit engines, I, I, I just don't see it. Um, but once again, not investment advice. So um, I, I, I though also <laughs> doubt they'll even be real profit engines when they get to that point. I just don't. Buy yeah. It. Like I, I what, what is the value that they add is kind of the, the question. And that's still, that still has yet to be fully answered. I think, um, Anyways, uh, techno.com slash newsletters for your daily dose of China tech. You can learn more about uh, companies like DD and uh, and the ride sharing business in China. But uh, do you want to move on to our discussion with uh, Emma? Yes, let's do that. Okay, so, so here's our chat with Emma Lee about Miss Fresh and Ding Dong. Joining us today is a woman whose name will be familiar to uh, just about anyone who's been following the content at techno.com for, I guess, as long as I can remember. It's Emma Lee. Emma, thank you for joining us. Thanks for coming on, Emma. Yeah, thank you for having me. So this is, thank you for, for coming back on, actually. this is I think this is your second time on the podcast. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think we talked about uh, Mate One uh, about one year earlier. Cool, cool. All right, so... Right now, we're going to dig into this topic that uh, 
is I think it's a big topic. It's an important topic. It's also one that uh, I think is not very it's it's not as sexy as something like elect like electric vehicles or or uh or anything like that but it is uh pretty important especially uh with miss fresh's recent ipo and uh and kind of lackluster performance after that but it's uh it's it's online grocery delivery basically so for those of us who are you know not familiar with with these names like Miss Fresh or Ding Dong, why should investors care and and how can we frame um, this the I guess the the online grocery area in China? Yeah, the market has been there for around two decades, but there's a recent a very huge up scaled investment in the sector and become super popular, especially after the COVID-19 when Chinese people are locked down and uh, they cook their own meals and stay indoor to avoid infection. The IPO of these two players, they are probably one of the largest uh, online grocery uh, companies in this field. So when they filed for IPO on the same day on June 8th, uh, it received a lot of attention. But the market is not uh, very uh, positive about the prospect. The Miss Fresh shares dropped more than uh, 30% after its uh, US debut last, last Friday. And uh, under the negative market sentiment, Ding Dong cut its IPO target by uh, over 70% three days later. Yeah, that's a big, uh, I mean, smart of them to do that because the, after their IPO, they did go up quite a bit. Let's see. It looks like they went up about 63%. Yeah. But yeah, the uh, I, I guess what is the, you know, what is grocery e-commerce or neighborhood retail industry and kind of what what is special about, or kind of what differentiates um, these two from other players, such as like Meituan or Alibaba or Didi or Pinduoduo? The market has been there for quite a long time, and uh, it has been operated under major uh, four major different business business models. The first one is the upfront store model. So both Miss Fresh and the Ding Dong Mai Cai are operating under this model. They are direct competitors. And uh, for the platforms operating under this model, the products are picked direct, directly from the warehouse placed in the residential neighborhood for quick delivery. The model uses an asset-heavy approach since the companies have to run their warehouses and the logistics. Uh, but the benefit of the model is quick delivery. Therefore, they have offers ba- better user experience. Uh, usually, the users can get their products within uh, certain minutes, but building self-operated warehouses and the logistics services are expensive. So Miss Fresh claims to have invented the model, which uh, it sounds a bogus claim to James. We discussed this earlier. <laughs> but, yes, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but anyway, the model is uh, operating for several years, but the boost from pandemic make, makes it popular since it's uh, more efficient when working at scale. 
I mean, the cost of building uh, and operating warehouses will be lower uh, if the platforms uh, operates receives more orders, and that's what the pandemic offer. And a second, yeah, the uh, the second biggest uh, model is the community based group buy. It's a super local group buy model for people living in the same community to bulk buy at very low prices. Uh, group buying platforms managing uh, their customers through group leads. These people are usually housewives, uh, mom-pop store owners who take this as their part-time job to earn a, a sales-based commission. Once they could earn as much as 10% of their sales, but the commission rate has dropped uh, with the proliferation of platforms. So group leaders uh, manage their customers through uh, social networking tools, uh, mainly WeChat, in, in WeChat groups. Uh, the model enjoys higher uh, user stickiness resulting from the social element of group purchasing and users may live just closely of their real friends in in life. Uh, Instead of promising the on-demand 30-minute delivery, they offer next-day pickup service uh, to where users um, have picked up the products in a nearby station. So instead of building their own warehouses, they leverage on the offline presence of existing convenience stores, uh, laundry stores, or wine stores. So this is the asset heavy, uh, asset light approach. It first boomed in lower tier cities. So uh, all the major players uh, like Meituan Youxuan, Pinduoduo,多多买菜 are operating under this model. The third one is online to offline model. Uh, the platforms uh, such as Alibaba's Fresh Apple, uh, also known as Hema, GD7 Fresh, and uh, Tencent backed Superspicious, all employ this model. Uh, it's part of China's online retail push. So this model focuses on offline presence as well as speedy delivery to customers with a uh, three to four mile radius. The last one is grocery retailer market marketplace platforms. It sounds like to me a Taobao for offline grocery stores. They could list their offline stores in this online marketplace and uh, to reach for more users. Uh, the company operates through this model, uh, mainly Jingdong Daojia. It's a platform backed by GD and uh, Meituan and uh, Olama, Meituan has uh, two business models and different models. Uh, this model offers a wide yeah, range. So, yeah, you, you can ask questions. <laughs> mm. So I, the, the question that I that I have... Uh, yeah, uh, go ahead. <laughs> I'll let, let me get this one first. But the... Uh, so what well, one thing so you have it kind of as upfront stores or kind of a frontline or fulfillment center the mm-hmm. the question that i have and james actually you you could probably chime in here too is 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 the model in this case then i guess maybe most comparable to something like a like a a, a retailer like a carrefour or a kroger or a um like i guess in china like a jinkolong like a where mm-hmm. 
they they essentially operate like a like a large grocery store um except instead of you know being by being online they don't have to maybe worry as much about having uh you know those storefronts or those um you know kind of those you know the 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 placement you know the property maybe not as much a kind of key property that they're leasing or um not as much that they put into presentation obviously because store people shoppers aren't coming in and out of the store is is that a, a kind of an accurate way to to look at it or would would you add something or twerk you know tweak something there i i can try i i can try to i mean so like i i'll tell a little bit of a story so I was uh, living in Tianjin for a few weeks, and I ended up ordering from Duo Duo Mai Tai, and and I mean the produce I got was very fresh. I went to basically a local little like Xiao Mai Bu, like a little uh, shop that had very bad selection because I was kind of in the suburbs, but I mean it had the basics of you know mostly the basics, and then they had like you know the boxes of the the orders you know from the day before were there and so it's like next day delivery and another interesting thing is Hema used to do same day delivery in Beijing at least and they just stopped doing that I think it was last month um, so they're no longer competing on same day delivery Ding Dong and Miss Fresh are the ones that are doing mm. that. I think Meituan might be same day, but we've been ordering from them and the quality was like not that great. So we we stopped. Mm. I, the the big, the key thing for us, at least when we order this stuff, and I, I imagine it's the same for most people because when you go to a grocery store, you're able to like feel the vegetables and look at them and pick you know, the produce that you want based on your maybe subjective view of quality, right? And another interesting little tidbit is when I was, I went to a grocery store near me and I walked in and I could hear orders coming from different platforms to the same store. And I think I heard, and, and I'm you know, hmm. this is like I'm going off memory here, but I definitely heard Meituan. I think I heard Miss Fresh, Meiru Yoxian, and they had bags for all these different platforms where they would like the orders would come in. The personnel that worked at the grocery store would literally go around the shop, and the sh- the, the grocery store was mainly people doing that. There weren't anyone shopping really i was the only person there at this time of day so it was all kind of weird this is very different from when i was in china like you know early 2020 before i left from the covid stuff so anyway this is there's a lot of different models and i feel like there's you know i think when i read through miss fresh and dindong my ties um their their uh filings it seems like they try to focus more on collecting like collecting suppliers produce and products putting them in their own warehouses rather than yeah. getting other stores or grocery stores that are in the area already and using their supply they try to do their own thing and control that that step they have those warehouses or fulfillment centers or 
um, what do they call them? Distributed mini warehouses in uh, Miss Fresh's yeah. case. They try to have those close to the customers. Now, I mean, we just we just tried Ding Dong. We've tried Miss Fresh before, and it 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 we did it wasn't great. And I feel like there's probably like it's a really difficult thing, right? Because it's not like oh we have we control if you control the suppliers, then you kind of control the quality. It's not that simple because there's definitely stuff outside of your control, like weather, right? If it rains too much, your, you know, potato crop is gone if it floods. And if it's, uh, if there's an early frost or something, I mean, bye-bye rice, you know, so it's like, it's not like 100% they can control it. And we definitely have had some, you know, I would say, I mean, we don't order meat really from there anymore, but maybe we'll try again. But but uh, it's the fre- the fresh the fresh component here that is the the question mark I guess right it's so important I mean if if you're gonna order fr- yeah. I mean you want if you're cooking at home right you want fresh supplies you want good high quality stuff if you had time or if you had more time you would go to the grocery store pick everything out perfectly and make it all awesome and then bring it home the convenience factor is key with these companies because once you like get on your cell phone and you order the stuff and it arrives in 30 minutes. I mean, it's kind of like incredible because if you had to go to the grocery store, you have to like get out of your apartment, right? And then go there, buy all the stuff, check out, put it in your bags or whatever to like bring it home, walk home uh, or drive home or whatever, park your car if you have to do that. And then bring it home. I mean, so you can just order on your phone right when you wake up and you can have it in 30 minutes. I mean, literally ready to make breakfast after you take mm-hmm. a shower. It's kind of like really convenient. Well, Emma, <laughs> yeah. Emma, what do you what do you use for your fresh groceries? Like for your 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 you know, vegetables and your meat? Do you use Miss Fresh, Ding Dong, or or you know, how do you usually do this? You're in Shanghai. Yeah, I'm based in Shanghai. It's a typical first uh, tire city market that for these uh, platforms to, to conquer. But uh, speaking from my own experience, I uh, <laughs> use multiple platforms at the same time. I'm not sticking to uh, one particular platform. And which platform I use depends on a lot of factors like uh, the availability of the service, pricing, uh, user experience, and what kind of products. I want to buy. For example, I might buy uh, fresh produce, vegetables from a platform, and uh, since they are now also offering uh, standard products uh, like carton milk uh, and laundry detergents on uh, on the platform, so I, I might use another platform for that category. Emma, you're bringing up a really important point which I think we should maybe touch on a little bit, and that is that there's these all these platforms compete on promotions. And sometimes you can get yeah. like big discounts on different platforms. I mean, could you do you, you mind talking about that a little bit? Yeah. I used Miss Fresh a few years ago, but not ever since uh to uh working on news coverage about the company, I, I tried to ex- experience uh, nowadays, because it might uh, totally different from a few years ago. I, I think is uh, the service of it offered by Miss Fresh and uh, 
Ding Dong Mai Cai and very similar. And uh, I placed placed an order around one hundred and thirty RMB, and I get sixty this sixty quite discount. That that's wow. Cut <laughs> good for consumers. Yeah. Yeah. That's called buying users. <laughs> yeah, buying users. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. And so, like, uh, I was talking to someone a couple weekends ago uh, who works at one of these companies, not the two main two we're talking about, but a different one. Uh, they were saying that um, the the speed, the amount of pr- promotions that the different platforms are offering is starting to decelerate like it's slowing down it's not yeah. it's not increasing like it used to be it's turned to the point where it's actually decreasing now uh and and the the question i'm really really con- concerned about is because because this is this is such a very local business the only way i can see these things being really profitable is if they don't compete with each other in every single local area. They have to kind of like divide, like kind of like the mafia does, right? You divide areas, your territories, and you say, okay, you have that territory. I got this territory. We're not going to go over to your side. If you don't do that, you get kind of really intense competition and, you know, flip-flopping between platforms, um, which we do too. And we definitely like that as consumers. We prefer the choice. But from a business profitability perspective, it is it would be much better if they kind of got to a point where the competition is less hot. So, I mean, it seems like because promotions are coming down, and by coming down, I mean like just a little bit and not at a very fast pace. But there are some platforms that are doing more promotions than others. And if you're shopping around, you can find those differences and obviously use the one that's got a better discount. So I'm wondering, Emma, do you think the competition between the companies is kind of cooling down a little bit? Or is it kind of, is it just getting started? I mean, they're raising all this money. Are they going about to plow it into just you know, more promotions and expansion. And I mean, China's a big place. They, they, there's plenty of places, you know, that they could focus on. Um, and like, it seemed like Miss Fresh does focus on kind of North China and Ding Dong is more in the Yangtze River Delta area based on what, what they say in their filing. But I obviously... We're, we we got Ding Dong Mai Tsai this morning in Beijing, so it's not like they're not other places. So yeah, competition. I mean, what do you think the like the intensity of competition is like? Yeah, I, I agree with you. The, the intensity of the competition is decreasing. Um, there is a cash burning battle, and uh, it it sure it couldn't take forever. And uh, I think another issue is the government has stricter regulatory control on uh, monopoly behaviors and uh, the state is cracking down uh, unfair competitions. So at the peak of this battle last year, some of the platforms adopt low-price dumping market tactic to attract users. 
the these companies price popular items like eggs, milks at a very low price price like uh one RMB or zero point oh RMB uh, to drive out mm. competitors who can't afford to lose money. Uh in December mm. the regulatory authorities have issued a list of restrictions on grocery uh group by business. For this uh business model specifically, uh forbidding priority pricing to be beat out competition as well as uh falsely advertising discount prices and uh, misleading informations. Uh, the the government has stepped further this March to impose uh fun on five platforms. Uh, basically, all the major ones are included. Mm. So I, I have a question about that, and I want to. You, know, you mentioned the kind of the regulatory environment, uh, and this is mm-hmm. something that that I'm wondering about a little bit. Is I, you know, the obviously the the miss the miss fresh uh, IPO was not exactly a hit. Um, Ding mm-hmm. Dong has been, uh, I guess, mercurial, uh, temperamental <laughs> is might be a way to put it, uh, and it's it's a little bit hard to gauge the sentiment that at least Wall Street has. Uh, for uh, for Chinese tech companies right now, I have a few kind of hypotheses. One is kind of this is the they're still dealing with the impact of kind of the luck and fraud. Another is kind of the the worsening kind of relations between you know the U.S. and China, and just kind of the fact that that China maybe has lost some of its its glimmer that it had maybe a decade ago. And then the other is uh, is the regulatory issues, right? That we've seen as what's happened with Alibaba, and you know, and what happened with the Ant IPO, and maybe some investors are are a little bit spooked by this. So, what is your uh, your two cents on this uh, when it comes to how investors are looking at Chinese companies? Is this a kind of a tipping point where it's just kind of a bridge too far? Uh, you know, with a, this, you know, the, the series of events and you know. Wall Street just isn't as keen on China as it used to be. Yeah, I think that it could be uh, one note of uh, long tail effects of Lockheed's fraud and uh, the disappointment. This disappointing IPO of Miss Press sends a shiver through the spine of my Dindo Mai's head, and the market is super sensitive to negative signals. Uh, also, both of the company are recording billion RMB net losses. So investors grows grows less patient for the long term uh, profitability potentials. Uh, our editor David Cohen said commented on this. Uh, it turns out the market doesn't place a high price on with we have bet on grocery delivery and we are on the road of profits. They they want to uh, see solid financials to back the growth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Luckin that that's kind of the story with Luckin, right? Is that Luckin was mm-hmm. this growth story that that I think a lot of people bought uh because yeah. it, you know, it was everyone saw the, the saw those growth numbers. I mean, and then under it all, you know, they had not all those growth numbers were correct, but also they had kind of the rug pulled out from under them by COVID and I think yeah, some of these these investors are are spooked a little bit by that. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, James, do you have uh, other other questions you'd like to ask Emma? I, I mean, I have a I have a uber skeptical view on why some of these companies are kind of 
choosing the U.S. over China or over Hong Kong or even I guess the, the star market is kind of hard to do because if you have U.S. dollar VC investors or crossover funds or whatever, like they're not gonna they're not really gonna support that that watch. Um, but one of and I'm and I'm hesitant to say it because I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, but I think pledging because you mentioned Luckin. You know, Luckin, one of the things that was interesting that came out of that is that the founders, one of the founders had like pledged his shares the lockup period and during the time when he had said, you know, he won't sell. And pledging the shares as a loan collateral and receiving cash is kind of like selling the shares. Yeah, yeah. So like getting up and saying, oh, we're not going to sell for years – and then having already done that or done recent, I don't know when he did exactly, but you know, I think Goldman and a few other banks were were upset about that and had to sue him and try to get some of the money back. Um, but I, I, you know, in Hong Kong, if you pledge your shares, I think you have to like disclose that to the to the exchange, and it becomes kind of public information. Whereas in the U.S., you don't really have to do that, and that's kind of a uh, if you're just looking to get your money out and you're looking to pledge shares, if you're, you know, if your stock performs well, you know, you'll probably try to do that, take some money off the table, especially if you're b- being fraudulent, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, that's just a super skeptical take. I don't know if it's true or not, but yeah, I, I mean, the, the problem with these business models is that they're not really proven yet. I mean, it's been around for a while. I don't know if there's one that makes like good margins or even positive margins yet. It's a it's a very competitive business and when you're doing this kind of local competition um and trying to, you know, you're kind of you're partially judged on how many like users you have, like for example, just to you know, um Miss Fresh, they say they have 11 million annual transacting users. Okay, so that's 12 months worth of users. And then uh, Ding Dong says they have 6.9 million monthly transacting users in Q1 of this year on average. So, you know, what is that? What are those? They're not comparable numbers at all, but... and that strikes me because both what Emma, what you said, and James, what you said, is that if if I'm to take both of your experiences and kind of your consumer habits as maybe, maybe somewhat indicative of you know the Chinese consumer in general, that it, that a lot of folks are going from app to app to app each day to see whichever one has the best uh, has the best deal, right? So. Almost any any of these apps then can get an annual active user or a monthly active user, especially if it's something like you know fresh produce that people are buying you know every yeah. other day. It's a push notification or like a you know a, a red uh, envelope when you open the app or something you know or push notification about a red envelope you know kind of coupon thing. Or I, there's all sorts. I mean, I I I got a notification from Pinduoduo and I was like, oh, it's like. I got like five RMB for free and I was like, oh, great. So I tried to use it and like you can't use it. It's like impossible to use it. You're like, oh, you have to spend 
30 RMB and then you get five RMB free. So I, I was like, okay, so that's why I tried it. And it was like, literally it didn't work for some reason. And then, you know, and like I talked to a few friends and they're like, oh yeah, you, it never works. You can never find a way to like get the coupon. But like, if you look at their filings, I mean, they had, they spend a ton on coupons. So it works for, you know, it's just like this ridiculous, yeah, I'm I'm totally rambling going off the topic here, but uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's okay. I, I, Emma, I want to get back to you here. So, just looking at kind of Miss Fresh and Ding Dong for just for an investor in our audience who might be somewhat interested in these two companies, but doesn't know them from Adam because they haven't they don't use them in their daily life because they don't live in China. Uh, can you give us just a little bit of you know maybe just a you know, a, you know, one to two minutes on each of these companies, just like a couple of bullet points here and, and how, what it, of the key things that investors should know about them and their trajectory and their history? Yeah, sure. So Miss Press uh, is one of the earliest entrants to uh, the, the grocery, online grocery and uh, fresh produce delivery market. It's founded in 2014. And, uh, Unsurprisingly, a lot of funding have been received and burned to uh, achieve its scale. Miss Fresh have the backing of a strong investor base, including Tencent, Tiger Global, and Goldman Sachs. And Tencent, uh, I think, is super helpful for the company to gain uh, users because uh, the company has a mini program on the platform and uh, could just uh, tap into the big user base of Tencent. Uh, it has received at least $1.7 billion in uh, 10 rounds of funding. The company's mainly presence is in first-tier cities. It's, it's also where the whole industry first took off. Um, after many years of expansion and cash burning, especially the, the so-called capital winter all, Funding shortage around 2019, the company addressed it as strategy to downsize the operation and to focus on uh, what the founder called quality operation. The company has around uh, 1,000 offline mini mini warehouses in 2019. 19, but now it has only, uh, 600. That's almost half from two, uh, two years mm. ago. Yeah. It also spends less on marketing and, uh, but the net profit and uh, the net loss is narrowed. The company has, uh, to compare with Ding Dong Mai Cai, it has a larger per order sales. It's around, um, 94 and Ding Dong is around 50. Yeah, so Ding Dong, I'll also add a little couple. So the fulfillment centers or DMWs for Miss Fresh, yeah, it's 631, like you said, around 600. And then Ding Dong's around 950. The number of cities they're in, Miss Fresh is in 16, Ding Dong's in 29. Average monthly orders is like pretty close. It's 6.3 for Miss Fresh, 6.7 for Ding Dong. 
So just calculate average fulfillment centers per city. Uh, it looks like it's about 39 for Miss Fresh, 32 for Ding Dong. So Miss Fresh is probably a little more concentrated. And then they, they also both talk about SKUs and the amount of SKUs they, they – so Miss Fresh says they have 4,300 SKUs in every DMW, uh, which is the dis- distributed mini warehouse. And in addition to that, they also have non-kind of produce, like fast-moving goods type of stuff. They have like 20,000, over 20,000 SKUs for that stuff. And then Ding Dong – they say they have about 12,500 SKUs. Yeah, GMV, did you I mean 7.6 for Miss Fresh RMB and uh Ding Dong's about almost a little below double, you know, 13 billion. So I mean Ding Dong's clearly the bigger one. Their their market cap is larger. I mean it's not that much bigger. I mean their market cap difference wouldn't be it's not the same similar ratio as their GMV difference. Miss Fresh market cap, and uh, here we go. I'm going with Bloomberg, so this might be wrong. Um, Two billion dollars market cap, and uh, Ding Dong is seven point six billion, over three times larger than Miss Fresh. Now mm-hmm. that that could be wrong because like a company goes public, their shares outstanding is kind of. You know, it's a little bit harder to figure out, and Bloomberg might have the wrong number. So, just uh, for everyone to note that, please. Yeah, it, it seems to me like this is a theme. This is a theme that we see so often in the e-commerce industry, especially in China, where there are so many players. Where you have you have a an, an e-commerce firm or kind of a, a leader in in the industry. They're start they're they're looking to go public and they're looking to kind of move on to that next stage. So they start looking at margins. They start looking at quality over quantity. And then once they start doing that, you have, so in this case, this is Miss Fresh, but then you have an upstart like Ding Dong that comes in and is like, okay, well now we can spend money because they're trying to cut, to actually focus on margins. We don't care about margins. We just raised some capital and now we want it. We'll just spend it across, um, you know, just, <laughs> just litter it across the market to, uh, you know, to, to, get users you know this is kind of like how what pinduoduo did to alibaba you know where but then the question then is is yeah sure you know you have you know these different upstarts growing but who's actually innovating or creating something that actually offers value versus uh just you know littering littering you know money across that they just raised you know across just raining bills you know (laughs) Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just making it rain. <laughs> Another point I want to mention is that Miss Fresh um, seems like to seeking new revenue sources from digitalizing China's offline market and uh, using its AI-driven retail cloud business. Digitalization solutions promise to help vet markets to optimize their uh, merchant mix while providing electronic payment, online marketing, and uh, customer management tools. But uh, there's also uncertainty in this new business. Both of the services are are very young. They launched uh, uh, early this year or at the end of last year. The white market digitalization landscape is also very competitive, competitive. Meituan, JD, and Olama all incubated or launched services for this uh, initiative. Yeah, it's uh, 
I mean, I, so I'm just, I'm just going to quickly, I'm, I'm sorry. I just got to look at these numbers and I'm going to just tell everybody real quick. So just comparing Ding Dong and Miss Fresh, their uh, income statement. So Ding Dong, I mean, their revenue growth from 2019 to 2020 was from 3.9, let's call it billion RMB to 11.3. Now their total operating costs went from 5.6 to 14.5. And what's what I kind of find really fun and interesting to do with these companies that are, um, especially these delivery companies that are, you know, they have a cost of goods sold is absolutely key and important. And they also have fulfillment expenses, which is key and important to their, to their business. They could cut off all sales and marketing. They still got to deliver the goods and they got to buy them. And then, you know, so... Both of these companies are negative operating income, if operating loss, I guess, if you take revenues minus cost of goods sold, also minus fulfillment expenses. Neither of them make it. Okay, so then what about the sales growth for Miss Fresh? 2019, six billion. 2020, supposedly a landslide year. For because of COVID, uh, this business for this industry, six point one billion. They only added one hundred and thirty billion, one hundred and thirty million to their revenues in twenty twenty. That is and the reasons probably because they dropped their sales and marketing expenses, as Emma said earlier, from basically seven hundred and forty million in twenty nineteen to five hundred and ninety. I mean, it doesn't seem like. You know, I mean, let's compare the difference for sales and marketing. I mean, Ding Dong doubled, more than doubled their sales and marketing from 2019 to 2020. So, you know, also Miss Fresh is focusing on northern China, which might be a little different. I mean, GDP-wise, I think northern China has a, I mean, depending on how north you go, but never mind. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh it's basically these companies, like, unless they can figure out a way to make that cost of goods sold and the fulfillment expenses, if you can take those minus, you know, take them out of their revenue and if they can still have a positive number after that, it'll start, this business will start looking more feasible. But I mean, by the way, these fulfillment expenses, this is not infrastructure investment here. That would go to capital expenditures, actually buying, you know, refrigerators and putting them in, in a, in a space Maybe rent is included in this, so maybe that would be included. But this is probably a lot of delivery guys, and it's probably mm. their bikes and their clothing and the packaging and the bags and all the stuff that goes goes with that fulfillment and the pickers. So they got to find a way to make this. They're never going to get profitable if they can't get cost of goods and fulfillment expenses profitable. Yeah, and then the, the other question is, you know, in the competitive environment like that, you want to get profitable then you're always opening up a vulnerability to any upstart. But anyways, we, it's, it is almost 10 o'clock in the evening in China right now. So, uh, I'm going to let both the two of you get some, get some sleep. Emma, thank you for joining us once again. For our listeners who might want to read your work or, you know, follow you on social media, how can they do that? Yeah. You can follow me at Emily1235 on Twitter. 
and uh, you can also for for listeners once again that's that's Emma Lee not Emily right so that's E M M A L Y right L L E E oh L E E oh okay yeah and uh, you you can of of course look at our main, main website and we also offer newsletter premium newsletter to our subscribers you can follow us. Techno.com slash newsletters for your daily for your daily dose of China tech. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Emma, thank thank you once again for yeah. joining us and uh and you have a nice evening, okay? Yeah, thanks, Emma. Yeah, glad to be here. Nice to talk to you. Thanks again to Tech Nodes Emma Lee for that very informative conversation. Looking at Miss Fresh and Ding Dong, I'm I'm wondering, it's kinda like what we were talking about with Didi earlier on in this episode, is that you know, this is a no margin to low margin business or the cash burning business. And there's always going to be, if you're trying to actually make margins happen, there's always going to be another upstart that's willing to burn more cash and to, you know, to, to finance their growth. You know, this is Miss Fresh, right? Once they they started trying to be, okay, we're going to move to this next stage where we're not just burning cash. Then Ding Dong comes along. And now they're worth what twice as much as they are as Miss Fresh is, or more than that, three times as much. Uh, I I don't see where where that cycle ends. The only way that I see that cycle ending is through something like a monopoly, which, as we've discussed, due to the regulators in China right now, that's that doesn't seem like that's <laughs> going to happen either. Um, if because if they do reach that, then they're going to be in trouble. So. Uh, what's the? Can you think of a bull case in for these guys? I mean, I kind of, I think I, I lean towards the bear case. I think the, the bull case. I mean, it's hard to say it for an individual company. I think the bull case for the whole industry, which will be some companies in the future, maybe two or three, is that, you know. And they kind of show it in their filings, right? As, as users use their service, their like annual spend service goes up every year. So they're like, as they join, mm-hmm. they uh, they spend more, they adopt it more. Like you're getting, you know, you're it's it, there's like a stickiness to it, which is super important. Mm. Then. I think the you know they still have to figure out the efficiency. How do you deliver product to someone's doorstep uh, that is, you know, easy and convenient and fast, and the quality is similar to what they would want from their local you know shopping experience. I think all that's key. You know, there there's um the the and there's like there's another piece. Yeah, I mean, in general, you know, like what the what are these companies doing? Is they're they're kind of taking what's really a like very very physical world type of you know shopping experience, and they're digitizing it and trying to make it like an app on your phone. You just open the app and order the stuff, and you get it. You know, not just like food packaged from a restaurant. Who, which by the way, restaurants already source their ingredients and all that stuff themselves. So they don't have to worry about that. All they have to do is go to the restaurant, pick it up and drop it off. So that's a little bit easier. This is, 
you know, if they can solve all these problems, I mean, I guess that's the 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 bull case is that um, there is some margin there. What it's going to be, it's not going to be high. It can't just can't be because if you look at even very efficient retailers, you know, they're not that high. And it's groceries is something – it's a volume business. You know, you just have to sell a lot of stuff. Exactly. And it's it's just razor thin margins. <laughs> and, 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 and the other side of that is, I mean, think about, all right, so you have your neighborhood grocery store or your neighborhood produce market. You know, the Why do you go to your neighborhood produce market? It's the neighborhood part of it, right? It's the fact that that's the one that is between – you know, my work and my home, or that is the closest place to my house. It is, it's something where, you know, I'm not going to go to the other place, even though they might have some better deals. You know, it's because this other, this place that's closer to me is more convenient. If if they're all just apps on your phone, one's not going to be more convenient than another because they're all apps on your phone. So what it does is it, you know, the, so the, that kind of fixed asset aspect of it where, you know, the, you know, the Kroger has or Jinkalong or, or whatnot has their actual physical location, you know, near you and they've set that all up. And that's kind of a barrier to entry for these, these companies, these, these apps, you know, there's, they don't have that barrier to entry. Uh, aside from, I think the other side of that is that if these companies have these kind of warehouses and these fulfillment centers set up and they're, they can do that better than, than these other firms, then maybe you, there's an advantage to be had there. Yeah. But it's still a very difficult. How, how that advantage plays out in a way. I mean, yeah, it's very difficult to establish and then it's difficult to communicate. Yeah. So you have to, someone has to use it and see the quality and it needs to be so consistent that like just about everybody sees it and, and, and experiences it. You know, right. and like, I mean, also with offline retailers, is they're able to compete on like kind of the experience in the store? You know, you can like trying samples or, you know, having like, mm showing you a product in like a end, you know, an end cap where, you know, you might not have, you know, something new, you know, um, or maybe they buy local, local good, goods. Good customer service. Yeah, customer service yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then just like fresh, freshness of, of the produce, which you can see, you know, I mean, th- th- there's a reason why these companies found, got started, you know, s- like not in the early 2000s. I mean, this is like not an easy, mm. low-hanging fruit for the digital digitized world, right? The easy, low-hanging fruit. And I like the pun there—the low-hanging exactly. fruit on produce. <laughs> <laughs> um, the you know the easy stuff was like like for example, stuff that doesn't go bad. Which I mean, books is a pretty obvious one. You know, things yeah. that don't aren't perishable because I mean that puts an entirely new. Like amount of stress. I mean, that's why volume is so so important in this in this business. But I mean, if you can, if you think having it digital allows you to get bigger scale, you know, then maybe that this is this is the benefit. But the problem is because it, you literally are d- constantly moving perishable goods that can also be damaged, and they're like soft. You know, like I mean you have to have that infrastructure investment. So like the scale with the infrastructure investment, I think is still kind of similar 
to offline. And actually, I'm not sure if it's better. Mm. You know, I'm not sure if the, the the CapEx required for like each customer is lower. Mm-hmm. It might actually be higher because you're like taking it all the way to their doorstep and you're not, you know, bringing it to a central place where you just put yeah. it in. So I, anyway, I don't know. I like the, I love the services as a consumer and I like having all the choice and that's, you know, great, you know. And if China wants to keep keep knocking the monopolies down or keeping them on their toes so they uh, lower their prices for everybody, I mean, that's great. I mean, that's like fantastic. Um, yeah. You know. There needs to, there needs to be some sort of game changing element at some point. I mean, this is from a consumer. Yeah, but the, you see with the with the Amazon, right? So Amazon they had this this massive scale, and then and we're, we're never making a profit. And then once, but they had so many so much so much computing power and so many servers that eventually they're like, well, let's start using our extra server space, and that's how Amazon Web Services was created. And then they started making a profit. So with all of these, it, none of them are even. Well, it's actually. Mm-hmm. I just read a great book called "Ask Your Developer," and the guy used to work at Amazon. He he's the founder of Twilio, mm-hmm. and actually, I think Amazon the way it started was that two pizza rule, where all teams had to be. You know, the biggest the team could be is a team that's fed by two pizzas. Oh, really? If you need to buy three pizzas, then your your team's too big. Yeah, so it forced everybody to, like, shrink and refactor all of the systems in the company. So nobody with – you also shouldn't have a big appetite with anyone on your team, any of your developers. <laughs> if you have a big appetite, you better be, like, really productive, you know? <laughs> You know, but like, so that like actually created, you know, you had these microservices mm. that had to be created in this, in the company that then had to like sell their service to other services in the company. So they were already mm. creating this like, uh. interface. So it was already happening there. And then they were like, oh, wait, why don't we just, uh, this is pretty helpful. You know, this is a massive value add. Why don't we do this for other, other people too? I think that's kind of the, how it got started but it's um, it's the it was still a the idea here though is that that it was the they created the capacity the, the the capacity was created from that business that was not profitable in order to create something that was was profitable but i don't see miss fresh is not amazon you know so so yeah i don't know uh, although they do say they have this intelligent fresh market retail smart logistics uh intelligence they have some sort of like service they you know they're they're not it's a saas they call it service offerings mm-hmm. they have on demand retail which is on your app you know and then they have saas plus ai empowerment and a little cloud icon next to that one and then they have intelligent fresh market. So they, they are trying to, you know, grab a little bit of that AWS TAM sort of pie in the sky, mm-hmm. you know, dream stuff. I don't know if it's real. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, this, you know, this isn't something I would, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go along this. Um, 
Although we'll see. We've been wrong before. We, we were not super bullish on Neo and look at oh, them. I've been wrong plenty of times. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so this, yeah. this is this is why this is not investment advice. Anyways, <laughs> you want to wrap it up? Yeah. So uh, we can, yeah, we can wrap it up. So yeah, thanks again to Emma. Thanks to all the, all the TechNote folks. Techno.com slash newsletters for your daily dose of China tech. You can follow us on Twitter. That's China Tech Invest. All one word, obviously. James is James Hall X, J-A-M-E-S. H-U-L-L-X and I'm Elliot Zagman E-L-L-I-O-T-T-Z-A-A-G-M-A-N and uh, you can catch us all next time on the China Tech Investor Podcast bye bye now bye